0: And that's it. We are live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Housekeepers podcast. Dare I say the cleanest hour in podcasting. I'm so excited to be talking with Brad. Brad and I met months ago, it seems right. You you attended a webinar that I was hosting on CDC guidelines. We hit it off. We had a conversation. Neither one of us stopped talking. And I was like, you know,
1: (laughs) yeah, that's pretty accurate.
0: I usually come on the show because you're you've got such a great story. You're you're in the cleaning business. How do you pronounce your last name?
1: Ashen Brenner. Usually I tell people to pronounce it before I say it, but it's Ashen Brenner.
0: Ashen Brenner. I would have not got that. I would have. I I would have not even close. Ashen Brenner. It's almost like you have two last names. I like it. So uh, you're currently you're our are, are you are you facilities so maintenance and housekeeping or just housekeeping? What what is
1: your current role? Uh, the way we do it here is uh, we have two facility managers. One of them is the facility manager over maintenance, and then there's myself, the facility manager over housekeeping, um, which at our facility is can, can, entails moving and assorted other things as well. So,
0: and, do you, and you're in laundry as well, or do you guys outsource laundry?
1: Uh, luckily, we outsource our linens. We do have two small laundries, but they only do uh, patient or patient resident laundry. So it's part of our contractual agreement um, at our place to do the personal laundry for all of our healthcare residents.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So you just probably have like a couple of 20 pound regular household wash machines, right?
1: Exactly. I've got one room that's got four and one room that's got three. So that's it. Yeah.
0: And you run a CCRC. Correct. Yeah. So it's a big campus.
1: Yeah. Right now we are actually doing a hundred million dollar renovation and expansion um, we currently have, uh, 96 healthcare rooms, 36 assisted living rooms and 265 independent living apartments and condominiums and we we go. Add more. So, yeah.
0: yeah, that's a, that's a big space. That's a big space down in North Carolina. So let's go all the way back. I'm super interested. Did you grow up in North Carolina?
1: I have lived here 33 years. I grew up and, uh, did all my schooling in Iowa. I, where in Iowa? Um, I'm from the northern part of the state, by Cedar Falls, uh, and then I I went to school in Des Moines. No kidding! You went to college in Des Moines? Yeah. What did you get a degree in? Uh, financial management. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's ex- that's exactly the right path. It's the right yeah.
1: path. Yeah, right, and, exactly. And, and so, do you have brothers, sisters? I have one brother, and uh, he did his freshman year of college in Iowa, then moved to North Carolina, and uh, we've transplanted half of our family down here now. So,
0: Really? Was it the winter?
1: I think it was just that uh, my mother's side of the family is from Iowa, and my father's side of our family is from Florida, and uh, we had a family member that moved here, and we came and visited, and North Carolina was the place.
0: Wow. And you said Charlotte? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Charlotte. So you're in, you're kind of high elevation.
1: We're we're perfect. We're actually, uh, we're uh, two and a half hours from the coast and two hours from the mountains. So uh, everything is good.
0: Yeah. You know, I lived in North Carolina for a while. I was in the Marine Corps. And one thing that I hate, I lived on the coast. So I lived in Jacksonville. And one thing that kind of stops me from even considering North Carolina as a place to live is because it's like Florida in that It never gets cold enough to kill all the bugs. And so all year long, you have amazing amount of ants.
1: And I don't notice that so much here, but I grew up in farm country. And strangely enough, we never had a pollen issue, even though it was in farm country. I guess because of the lack of evergreen trees and so forth. Mm -hmm. But um, the Carolinas, uh, from basically the middle of March to almost the middle of May, Every morning, your car and everything is coated with yellow pollen dust. So <laughs> it's, it's a joyous two months if you have allergies. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's that's pretty awesome. So now you're in North Carolina. And so how then did you get into cleaning? How What did you do I, uh, before this? I imagine you didn't graduate college and go right into the cleaning business.
1: So strangely enough, I was a, uh, a bellman and front desk supervisor at a hotel, putting myself through college. So when I moved to North Carolina, um, I took a job as a front desk manager and um, my general manager started a new position at our largest hospital here called patient and guest services and asked me to come with him. And um, at all the bigger hospitals were the people that uh, run the reception desks and transport the residents and the patients all over to their tests and so forth. And the uh, manager of environmental services um noticed and thought that I did a good job and recruited me to come work for them because they had the hospital contract. And so uh, that was in, I think, 1996. And that was uh, ServiceMaster at the time. Wow. And so um, I spent my first five years with ServiceMaster and then they sold their custodial branch to Aramark because Aramark was trying to expand their outsourcing reach. And I spent the next I guess it was 12 years with Aramark.
0: At the same space, though? In the same hospital?
1: No, I, uh, I went from one hospital to another, and then I ended up at a high-end private K-12 through school um, that they also had the contract in, and so uh, I did 10 years there, and then uh, got out of the outsourcing business and went to another school for a year and a half before I ended up here with, coincidentally, Compass USA and Morrison's. Another outsourcing company. <laughs> Another outsourcing mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I don't know a lot about Morrison as far as like what their what their
1: what their client is is do they just do healthcare spaces? so uh, it's it's a little hard to explain. Aramark kind of tries to tie in all of their branches together. Compass USA, which is actually a British company or it is Compass, but in the United States it's Compass USA they have a European model where even though they have like eight different branches, they keep them all separate. So, um, in the CCRC or retirement business, they started out as food service only. And Hmm. then about 10 years ago, they started expanding into the environmental services or cleaning branch. So the branch that I was in, all that we dealt with was retirement centers. So, the other aspects of it were never integrated with us. So I don't even know how widely the other things are.
0: Interesting. The reason I even ask is because you're not the first person to tell me or share that when they worked for Aramark, they did have other opportunities to get exposure in other fields of cleaning, Mm -hmm. right? So you went from hospitals to schools, which is night and day different. I mean, they may as well be yeah. on different planets because the way the hours are different. responsibilities is different. How often you're cleaning, what you're using to clean is different. Everything is yeah, different you, in a school.
1: When you go from a hospital setting to uh, where I was a high end school setting. Um, the first year it was like, I woke up and it was Christmas day every, every day um, <laughs> because you're, you're hundred percent correct. Um, everything is different. I mean, it's uh You know, even even your attire. Um, When I was a manager in the hospital, the one I was at required the women to wear dresses or pantsuits and the men had to wear jackets and ties. Um, The first year I was at the school, I think I wore shorts probably 90 percent of the time. Um, (laughs) It was shorts, hiking boots and a polo shirt or a school T-shirt. So um, it was fine.
0: Which is. Do you remember that do you remember that uh, television show boy when we were kids or was that television show um was it one day at a time or something with uh, Schneider remember Schneider yeah. you know the the maintenance guy of the building you know, I was always such a big Schneider fan which probably leads to why I work in housekeeping but you know that whole his attire was blue jeans and a t-shirt with a rolled up pack of cigarettes
1: cigarettes on the sleeve yeah i remember that yeah
0: and now you know the the, the school custodian. When I because I I got my first my first job in custodial services was cleaning the high school that I was going to. We had like this little program that you could work from you between your eighth and ninth grade in that summer. the The city had like city jobs. You know, you could work road crew or stuff like that. And I got a job working cleaning the high school. That summer, and that was legit. Everybody was in work boots and shorts, like cargo
1: yep. <laughs> shorts. It's the way it is. It's the way. Yeah, it
0: is. too funny. You know what else is? It reminded me of is when I was in the Marine Corps. When I was in the boot camp. So when you go to when you go to the Marine Corps boot camp, you are. At first, it's very uncomfortable. Being in boot camp, very restricted, very regimented. You have to sit very straight, speak very loud. Yes, sir. No, sir. Don't look at anybody. You know, it's very. At first, it's really hard. But as you get through it, it becomes automatic. Like you don't even think about it. You know, you are just your posture is just perfect. And towards the end of boot camp, I got pneumonia, which is the worst thing you want to get in boot camp. I got really sick, and so I had to be in the at the hospital. For a couple of days. And I remember every time the doctor would come in and see me or a nurse would come in and see me, they would always say, Relax. You know, because I, I'm i still in boot camp mode. I'm like, Right. Yeah, sure, no, sir. That's kind of how I feel like when you go from healthcare to the school. Everyone's like, All right, leave yep. the tie at home, sir. <laughs> yep.
1: No, you're 100% correct. Yeah.
0: Too funny. So what was like, what was it? I'm just curious when you go from such a structured, not that they both weren't structured, but just different. When you go from one, when you go from the hospital setting, I could see how you're progressing into the healthcare or into the cleaning field easily. I just want to know what transferable skills did you bring from the hospital to the, to the school? Did you change anything? Were you able to go, hey, this is a better way of doing it? Or this is how we did it over there?
1: Um, primarily a technology thing, because um, back when I went from healthcare to the school, which was uh, back at, way back in 2002... Seems like yesterday, but 19 years flies by. Um, most of the schools at that time, and you can you know look at what you've done. They were using if they had anything that was high tech, it might be a propane burnisher. Now, in both of the companies I work for, propane burnishers were not allowed. Um, so we had, you know, when I was with Aramark, we had a uh, an agreement with tenant like uh, tenant actually was connected to Aramark for a long time. So we used to get their most high-end um, machines and they trained us on them very well. And most of the people I worked with at the school had never used anything other than a mop and bucket and, you know, the old school washcloths and so forth. And we switched over pretty immediately to microfiber, which back then was was really early in the game. it's super uh,
0: expensive. So good for super you. Super expensive, uh, yep.
1: And, and then you would run into the thing where people would think they were too dirty and throw them away. And you're like, you just threw away $3 after cleaning <laughs> something, you know?
0: Um, um, hold on just a second. Hold on. It is 19 years later. It's yeah. 2021. I'm doing some consulting at a nursing home on long Island, New York. And the housekeepers, when I ask them where they're washing their mops, they say, we don't wash them. We throw them away. Wow. <laughs> It's 2000. I'm like, what do you mean? You how many do you throw away? They're like, I don't know. I mean, we use like six or eight each, six or eight each a day, and there's five housekeepers, and they are throwing them away at the end. Huh? What? That's
1: I, holy cow. <laughs> yeah, it's not cheap if you're replacing them like that. No, that is
0: that is silly. That is yeah. silly. Yeah, and I just want to point out for those who maybe not know who Tenant is. Tenant is one of the leading. Uh, companies that create are creating some of the greatest technology do you you belong to issa the international solutions
1: i get i am not to to my knowledge i'm not a member of them but i do get uh, information emailed to me by them so
0: they have a they have the they do the they have a trade show once a year maybe it's twice a year some, it's in Vegas one year and then New York City the next year. I think it kind of goes like that. This year it's in Las Vegas. It's the largest trade show for our business, the cleaning business. And Tenant has a humongous presence there. They have robots cleaning, doing floors, tripping and refinishing, boffing. Like, it's crazy. Just wanted to point out how like, Tenant's a really fantastic. Yeah,
1: company. no, I mean, it's evolved. I, I've, as you, I've probably used all the brands and now you have Tenant Nobles that merged. And you have Advance and Nilfisk that merged. Um, Tenant Nobles is primarily an Aramark company. Nilfisk Advance is primarily a Compass USA company. They both have similarities. They both have differences. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they both produce really good machines. So
0: Yeah, pretty great. Okay, so technology. So bringing in new floor equipment, that that yeah. kind of thing, the, the microfiber. You're a fan of microfiber, huh?
1: I'm a fan of microfiber. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, in, the, in certain settings, um, a lot of people like to use, whether it's furniture polish or things like that. And I feel like you can get rid of chemicals if you use microfiber. Um, you know, by, by just using microfiber to dust, you can save damaging certain woods. You can take that in dust or pledge or whatever it is off of your folks cart. Because um, a lot of times if you put that on something that's not real wood, it's going to leave a film there. However, you can, you know, you can dust it with a microfiber and it's going to be fine until the next time you come in there.
0: Brad, um, Brad, let me point this out to you. The reason that I use Pledge is because I want it shiny. I want I, my coffee table shiny. Microfiber takes the dust off. It doesn't make anything shiny.
1: <laughs> it depends what your setting is. You know, when, when you're dealing with furniture that's been in the house for a hundred years, there's no shine to it to start with. That's true. I don't have that. I don't have that. Um, But no, no. Uh, yeah, I I'm a fan of the microfiber, and it does come down to training your folks right. Um, I I assign each one of mine a certain amount, and uh, whenever they get used up, they bring me their used up ones, and I exchange them out. And perfectly honest, I I don't have much of a, a problem with that, so it works out really well.
0: Yeah, I you know what my problem? First of all, I I like you. The same thing, you know. We got introduced. We got we got. I remember meeting my first microfiber rep 15 years ago and they came in and it, but it was super expensive. It was like $3,500 each housekeeping cart set up. So you had to buy a whole new bucket, a whole new mop. you know, it was a, a yeah. whole thing. And in long-term care, nobody has $3,500 for the entire department. Forget per housekeeper. Like it's a little, it's a little pricey. I mean, I know it's more affordable now, but the, the whole thing was, there was two things that we, one thing that, that they were really pushing was the infection control piece. Like you wouldn't have to use the same mop in, in each room, which I I appreciate and I understand, but I, I'm a big fan of chemical, meaning I, I think the disinfectant works regardless.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you can go from room to room. I mean, you don't want to bring a dirty mop into a, that doesn't make sense. But the one thing that really, intrigued us enough to really consider it was the housekeepers wouldn't have to go back to their housekeeping closet every four to five rooms which they do with a regular mop and change their mop water so we're almost reducing the amount of time the back and forth time which we're you know we're thinking when it comes down to minutes maybe we could get them that maybe that means we can clean one or two more rooms right you know what i mean like that's could you get a couple more rooms if the housekeeper doesn't have to keep going back and forth four or five times a day to change their mop water.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, it, it, also, um, I've noticed a lot in, in the last three or four years where a lot of my residents have been switching from carpet to hard floors and at the same time they're moving in with pets. So, um, for whatever you want to wow. say about park,
0: Sure. Sure. Know,
1: Carpet, uh, carpet hides a lot of stuff, um, whether you do a good job, a good job cleaning it or not, and vacuuming. I tell you what it doesn't hide is odor. <laughs> exactly, it holds on to odor. And vacuuming carpet is like relatively easy, and then people see the lines and they think, oh, this carpet is fine. And then you run into the hard floors, and you know if a person's got a pet, you may go over it like three times. And as you were talking before, if you're using a regular mopping system you would be sweeping it, you would be mopping it, you might even have to change your water while you're in the room where if you're using the microfiber, you can do it dry and then you can go over once with a wet and it usually gets it and you've got that that quick release system where you can change it out right away and it saves a lot of time and it does a much better job.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the saving time. I'm I'm the the idea about doing a better job is sometimes a little lost on me only because, and I have one right here. Look, I even have an example. (laughs) Where is my microfiber? This is, this is it. This is my little microfiber mop example. And the problem with this is my housekeepers. I'm only talking about my own, not anybody else's, but my housekeepers, before we implemented this, they would sweep the floor with a dust mop. And then they would mop the floor. So, we'd have a two part system. We'd sweep, take all the dirt away. Then we would mop. Once we introduced this, they stopped sweeping. I got you. They just started to use a microfiber as both the broom and the mop. And although it sounds like a good idea, and, and if it worked, I would be all about it. Because again, you know what that does? It saves time, it makes it easy. I'm all about saving time and making it easy. But then I just have shiny, dirty floors.
1: I can, I can see, and obviously it's in the, uh, it's the person that's using it is going to make the biggest difference. And
0: did you just say something about my staff? No, I'm
1: kidding. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm talking about mine as well. Uh, I mean, how dare you? obviously, you know that. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. Um, you know, the, you know, the people that uh, are going to do everything the right way and the people that you're not so sure about and the people that just aren't. So uh, yeah, anyway. no,
0: no, no. I, and, and I don't want to, <laughs> I, I appreciate what you're saying. I just want to be clear that I would be the same way if I were a housekeeper and you gave me a mop that looks very much like right. a broom. I would yeah. be like, why am I doing it twice? Because I'm not lazy. I'm not trying to take a shortcut. I am I am trying to be efficient. I am trying to do what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm trying to get it done as fast and quick and easy as possible, which makes sense. I mean, that you know, yeah. it just, when, it, it took time and experience for me. It didn't. I, I wasn't like all of a sudden going like, hey, you know, they're going to use it as a broom and a mop and that's not going to work right. out well. I thought a broom and a mop combination sounds amazing.
1: So I, I may have to have my supervisor bring me mine because uh, yours is a little old school. See, our microfiber system is much more modern than that. So it's a, quite a bit different. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, that one's a little ancient right there.
0: Yeah. So yours, are you using disposable pads?
1: No, they're no, reusable. Okay and they're, they're good. They're good for hundreds of cleanings. Good, Um, good, good. yeah. So
0: yeah, no, mine's 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 is is an example. Mine's never seen a floor actually. How dare you? Okay. I've
1: got some of those in my office as well.
0: (laughs) Oh, Brad floor care. Is there anything better than floor care? I mean, you can have the dirtiest building with the shiniest floors and no one will ever see it.
1: So, so on that topic, this is a funny story. So when I, um, I used to love to finish the old school way with, uh, because now everything is actually done microfiber here too, but the old school way with the mop and bucket. So when I was at the school and it was winter break or summer break, I would have my guys use the machines and, and strip all the floors for me. And then I'd go up to the rooms all day and all I would do would just be putting finish on And the teachers or whoever was there during the summer or during the day would come in and say, you did a fabulous job. And in actuality, that was the easiest part of it, but it made it look the best. You know, the the guys with their scrapers and their machines doing the hard work were the ones that that actually made it that way. But um, yeah, when you when you first make a a tile floor look like ice, there's nothing better. You just don't want anybody to get on it.
0: A million percent. And you know. So when I, and, and I don't remember, I learned a, a lot that summer that I, I, I think I might've told you before we started the podcast that I started my housekeeping in my only experience working in schools and housekeeping was between my eighth and ninth grade in high school. I spent that summer learning how to strip and wax floors and scrape gum off of desks and all that stuff. I would re- like, they, they literally showed me how to wax where like you're saying, it was super fun. You kind of outlined the room and you went one direction and then the other direction, you flipped them up, flipped them up, right? More wax, flipped them up, flipped them up. But what I didn't appreciate, and it took me years to appreciate, is how much we move those desks as kids. We're just pulling this direction, that direction. And then I get into long-term care. And if I even hear it, I can, you can hear the scraping sound of a chair. I just hear I'm like, Hey, who's ruining my floor? You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, so for in the long-term care setting here, it's uh, walkers because, Oh my gosh. You know, you have, it seems like half of your residents are using walkers. And um, the ones that you'll, you'll get the ones that have the, uh, the tips on them worn off. And you'll be following him down your hallway and you're just seeing this scrape line go all the way down your hallway. Um, A
0: million percent. I, I actually have a picture. I, I, during my, my housekeeping workshop, I, I show the picture and it's of this lady walking with her walker. And I too, I can hear it. I can hear it scraping the floor, but she has tennis balls on her walker. And so From a normal view, you're just like, well, she's got tennis balls on the walker. And I just, she sat down and I said, can I see your walker a minute? And I grabbed the tennis ball and picked it up. And there was a hole through both (laughs) bottoms. I mean, it's a tennis ball. It has no ability to withstand the weight and the movement of a steel walker. you know I make the I make and, and I hate to say this because it doesn't seem fair. It's one of those shouldn't have to's. You know, managers, we love the whole turn of phrase we shouldn't have to. And we, there's a whole line of things we shouldn't have to do. We shouldn't have to look after people, we shouldn't have to go back after people, we shouldn't be showing people. We certainly shouldn't have to go to rehab and do their job for them, right? Like that's one of the biggest shouldn't have to's, but the truth is <clears throat> you really do have to because rehab as sweet as they are, they are not going to take the time to make sure that the walkers and the tennis balls are in you know, good working order. The skids are not scraping up floors. I've even seen plastic skids on the bottom of walkers because you know, there's a screw on the bottom of those. I've seen skids, the, the wax skids, plastic, looks like wax, little plastic skid worn down. So now the screw is sticking below the plastic and it is ruining my floor. You can't rely on rehab. That's the no, that's for sure.
1: I mean, the other thing on that topic is if you have uh, the motorized scooters or anything that, that has a tire that really has air in it, the oils leak out of the tire and leave that tire print all over everything and you can't get it out for anything.
0: You know, I'm, I'm willing to say that the only thing that would really work well for me is an empty nursing home. You know, let me clean it. Let me get the floor shiny, but nobody's, you can like, maybe just put windows around so you can all look at it, but no walking.
1: (laughs) That's true. That's true. And yeah. And and here being a CCRC um, for the people that don't know what that is, which is a continuing care retirement center, you have um, all aspects of people. I mean, I've got people living here that are very, very healthy, you know, 70 year olds. And then you go to assisted living and healthcare and you've got this large gambit of people from, all socioeconomic area and it's a uh, sometimes sometimes you do wish there was an empty house <laughs> or you didn't have to deal with a certain branch of it at least
0: you know what's interesting about what you just said and there's so many different ways to go about this as delicately as possible and that is when it comes to the client you're picking up after if let me do, let me go to the hotel industry if I go to a high-end hotel, I can expect that the high-end hotel is going to be extremely clean. Mm-hmm. Like I just spent a night in at the MGM in Baltimore, Maryland. Beautiful, it's a it's a casino hotel. Beautiful hotel. The housekeeping staff there are crazy great. They're doing amazing things down there. But just down the street from this from the MGM Grand hotel, is a red roof in, and it is not as clean. Now, it's one part you can say, you know, the housekeeping staff is worse at the red roof than it is the MGM. You could also even argue that perhaps the housekeepers at the MGM maybe make a little bit more money. They're probably more apt to get tips in the rooms from, from, from guests than the red roof in. We could agree on that too, right? Yep, true. One thing that is missing, a very big component when we're looking at those two facilities, and again, I'm going to relate this to healthcare. I'm just going to try to keep my hands off of the big gorilla in the room that is healthcare and just talk about hotels, is the clients, the customers that go to Red Roof are, dare I say, less careful with their garbage, with wiping their feet, with their habits in the room with how they treat the furniture the carpets then the guest at the MGM Very and what i true. find is the same situation in the experiences i have in facilities like a CCRC where we have independent people who just simply live on a campus that they that they're going to con- so the a, a, another way to explain what a CCRC is is you buy into this program where you live in your house You move into a house and then from that house, when you need longer care, you move into assisted living. So you might need some assisted uh, nursing care. And then you transition from there as you get older and need more care, you go into the long term care facility. And so your abilities as as a as a your functioning abilities are at the highest end when you're in the when you're in the independent living you can pick up after yourself you your standards are your standard you're not relying on anybody else as you move from that p- place to the assisted living and from the assisted living to the uh, the uh, the nursing home aspect it gets less and less like that right so your your as you said the social economical position of your customers dick has a lot to say a lot because you could have the same amount of housekeepers in both in two buildings, two nursing homes. One's a high-end nursing home. One's a low-end nursing home, same amount of staff. You're going to have different outcomes.
1: Very true. Very true.
0: And it has to do if not more so at least equally so with the population as it does the housekeeping staff. Mm
1: -hmm. That is true. Yeah. Um,
0: did I say that delicately enough?
1: <laughs> no, no, you're you're 100% correct. I mean, <laughs> I tried to dance around it. Yeah, no, um obviously in uh, especially in in this business, the retirement business, um you've got in and, and we are a relatively high-end retirement facility. Um right down the road, you've got those that are uh, government subsidized retirement facilities. Um and there's there's a huge difference. I mean, you can drive buy on the outside of the building and you're like, that looks like a nice place, but then you go inside and, you know, where I might have uh, 10 housekeepers, they have four, you know, and where we're doing everything weekly, they're doing it once a month. And then you throw that in there along with what you just said, which is the people that I have in independent living for the most part can take care of themselves. The people that are in the subsidized one for the most part can't take care of themselves. So you have less taking care of you. You have less ability. So it's just, it just doesn't work. But, um,
0: and the other, uh, you know, it's so funny, not funny, but one thing that, that a lot of oftentimes I know not a hundred of them, but I know, I know a lot of people who love to be a housekeeping manager, but struggle. And a lot of times I just want to say to them, you know, I appreciate because as managers, we all take it on ourselves. You know, I got to get better. I got to get better. I know I got to get it back. I know to get better. At the same time, you could move down the street to a nicer facility, a nicer nursing home, a nicer hospital, a nicer hotel, and you would be 10 times more effective as a manager. Just just by moving to a nicer facility. They don't work harder. They don't work harder.
1: No, I, I agree yeah you're hundred percent correct I mean I guess it's like life in general sometimes you got to be in the right place at the right time or get the right break but yeah there's there's guys out there or women I should say people who um, may be working you know twice as hard as, as you are and you think you have it rough but then I mean you just have to go go try somebody else's shoes I guess um, but you're right the facility the facility itself makes a big difference and difference um, yeah.
0: As a matter of fact, I think, I think like that should be one of the qualifying questions when you're going for an interview, wherever you're interviewing, be curious about who their customer is. And and this is true, whether you're working at a, you know, applying for at a bank, or if you're applying to work in a hospital or a hotel or whatever, just be inquisitive about who their customers are. It'll tell you everything you need to know about who they are.
1: And I think, you know, obviously... Things changed through the years. I remember when I first got in this field, and it's funny, you're former Marine. When I first got on this field, I grew up in Iowa where there was a a high education level and a strict work ethic. And quite honestly, I did not grow up or know that many people that came from single family, single parent families. And then I moved down here to North Carolina, and probably two thirds of my staff were from single parent families. Um, People didn't travel. Um, because they didn't have the means to travel. I'm talking the staff that we would hire. And so I, I was kind of a dictator at first and I had to learn to evolve into being more of a people manager and and getting to know your employee and their their needs and and try to try to work I hate to say this, but try to work our schedule out to help them. Because if in, in today's day and age, if you don't try to make adjustments, You're just going to have rapid turnover and you can't just say this is my way or the highway. Otherwise, you're just not going to have anybody that stays in. So I'll give you an example. So so as you know, and I don't know, I can't speak for your facility, but um, a typical housekeeping job at a hospital, a hotel or anywhere um, is normally, whether it's mornings, nights, whatever, it's normally an every every other weekend job. Okay. Oh sure, sure.
0: So really? uh, full timers work every other weekend to get of the- every, day, other, every right. off. That kind of thing.
1: Sure. So the benefit that we have in retirement um, versus when I was in healthcare. So in healthcare, you have certain shifts and stuff. Stuff basically has to get done. Okay, at a certain time. So in, in cleaning residents' rooms, um, in the old days, everybody used to be up at six thirty. Hell, you could start cleaning the room at seven thirty if you wanted to. Now our clientele doesn't want to get up until 8.30 or 9. And at the same time, you have a lot of single parents out there that are trying to get their kids to school. So when I used to bring in all my staff at 7 o'clock in the morning, now I'm bringing in a lot of my staff at 8 or 8.30 and letting them do their eight hours from then. It works out for me. It works out for them. that flexibility helps you open up more avenues to get more employees in there. Very interesting. I... I like that
0: I could see, we start at seven here. Okay. Seven to three at the standard health and rehab. However, I can see starting at eight. I couldn't make starting at eight work.
1: So I, I, could I, I could, seven to eight to four instead of seven to three. Yes. Yeah, so, to give you more. So I have, um, you know, to try and make this staff oriented, I make a schedule for my staff that is, It covers five weeks, so it covers a whole month plus either the first week of the next month or the last month of that or the last week of that month. So everybody in my department knows everybody's schedule for five weeks at least. So then if they have to schedule doctor's appointments or something comes up, they know who they could talk to to switch a day or if they need to. Not to mention here at my facility, we only work every fourth weekend, which is a big selling point to get people in the door. But I have half my staff right now that start at 6.30 and the half that start at 6.30 do all the morning common areas before people arrive at 8 or 8.30 for work. So then the other half of my staff come in at 7.30 or 4 and they have strictly room cleaning responsibilities with no common area cleaning. So that way they can come in, get their carts ready and get right to it. And it's kind of seamless for both. And it helps the people that need to come in later and then it's, it's not really a struggle to find people that want to come in early and get off early either. So it, it helps both aspects.
0: The reason you're able, I'm going to just take a stab in the dark here. And I imagine the reason you are able to offer one weekend work a month is probably for two reasons. Number one, you probably are using a reduced amount of staff on weekends. You're not running Correct. the same spot seven days a week. And number two, you probably have a lot of staff. Um, to answer here, your question, both. Yeah. here we run in nursing homes. We run the same staff seven, seven days a week. We never, it, we never have a slow day. We have busy days. We don't have a slow day. And so it's hard for us to, and we, you know, we, we, we don't have, that's weird. And let me ask you this. You don't find it challenging from a management point of view from, I appreciate that it's really helpful to make things easy for my staff. But I also know that if I don't make it easy for my managers to be able to manage it, it, it becomes a management nightmare and too many things don't get, don't get done. And so that fluctuating shift starting, you know, stagger starts. I mean, what do you do when you have call outs? What do you do when you have three or four call outs in a day? Don't say you don't have three or four call outs in a day.
1: No, no, that happens. Um, and, and we have a list of obviously we have the schedules of everybody and we know, <laughs> excuse me, certain residents that um, have told us that if, if, um, if it's a tight day that we can just come do a quick clean instead of a full clean or even mm-hmm. skip them completely. Mm-hmm. Um, we, okay. we gave a memo to, um, actually just did this last week again, give a memo to all of our independent living residents stating that um, with the current uh, employment situation across the United States, that they may be getting a call from myself or my supervisor with 24 hour advance notice Asking them if we can either bump up their cleaning a day or bump it down a day or if they're willing to just do a light cleaning that day. So sometimes there's a lot of phone calls involved. Um, the answer to your first thing, though, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've got 20 housekeepers and we only clean uh, we only clean our nursing unit seven days a week. So independent living is only done Monday, through Friday. Friday.
0: Do you do common Do you do common space on weekends?
1: Yeah. So what we do on the weekends is, um, so everybody works on in healthcare on the weekends, not just my healthcare keeping staff, housekeeping staff, but um, everybody works in there on the weekends, and one person comes in and floats all the common areas, and then the rest of them just go work in healthcare. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, it's it's. I think by doing the schedule this way, it's easier because I kind of. uh, I know in advance, like I I have a meeting with my supervisor every afternoon to talk about the what ifs of the next day. So we discuss, you know, if we have a call out, this person's going to go there and we're going to do this. So I think you're right. It can be confusing. But if you have an open communication with your supervisor staff and you plan ahead, it makes it much easier.
0: Yeah, You know, another thing that I, I, I think that you're you've touched on a little bit is in (sighs) how do you even say this? Now more than ever, employers like us have to do a really good job marketing, really good job selling because it's too, it's, it's so easy to not work and still get by. And here's the worst part about it. As much as we think it's a new thing, like we, you know, we're like, oh, my God, this year with the unemployment and the government handouts and, you know, everybody's complaining galore. Here's a statistic you may not know, and it might just give you a little perspective. The number one complaint and challenge of managers during the Great Depression was getting people to come to work. Think about that. You right. think about how what we were taught about the Great Depression. We've all seen the pictures of people in the soup lines and all the men, you know, lining up for for food, and food was scarce everywhere. No jobs, no money, and the number one challenge of managers is people still didn't show up for work.
1: Yeah, that's kind of amazing. But yeah, yeah, you're right. We.
0: <laughs> I saw a picture the other day, and it was you know just again with that whole dichotomy. Like we think things are new for us. We see them in our own our own perspective in 2021. And we think it's, you know, the 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 worst it's ever been. I saw this great comparative picture and it was of a bunch of kids on a, waiting for a subway and they were all on their cell phone. So you imagine 20, 30 people waiting for the subway and every one of them looking at their cell phone. And you would look at that and you would think, you know, the downfall of humanity. I mean, oh my God, people are so connected to their technology. They don't even look at each other anymore. And then underneath it is a picture from 1916, and it's a, a bunch of people waiting for the train, and they all have newspapers in their face. Same thing. <laughs> it's just saying that nobody's looking, they're talking to each other because they're all reading the newspaper. They can't even see each yeah.
1: other. <laughs> I can see that. And and it's funny, you know, because I think um with, with us, if you want to call it coming out of COVID or getting back to our sense of normal or a new sense of normal the one thing that I don't think hardly any of us thought was going to happen was going to be this employment crisis. I mean, we all thought that there was going to be a new normal, that we were going to be cleaning differently, that some people were always going to wear a mask, that restaurant life was going to be different, but none of us ever imagined that you were not going to be able to get employees to come in to work.
0: That's a Um, great call. I thought like everybody, like you, I imagine... When we were able to go back to work, everyone was going to go screaming back to work. They're like, finally, let me right. get out of here. And instead, people are like, nah, you know what I mean? It's summer and the and, sun is out. And, um...
1: <laughs> and yeah, it's, 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 it's craziness. Um, and now, you know, I know a lot of employers, um, where I'm at included, we have upped our starting pay and done other things to try and entice people to come in here. But the flip side of that is we've probably, and other employers as well, have probably raised their pay and certain things to a level that they probably should have been at 18 months or two years ago. And now we've raised it to that level. But then you have the gas prices, the food prices, and everything else that have skyrocketed. So now you're still back to where before where you started. So, you know, by giving somebody $2 an hour more now versus what they would have got 18 months ago, it's the same thing. Which so. is, of course,
0: how the economy works. Every you know, we we live in a macro economy, meaning that the dollar is valued based on it gets its value based on what it can buy. You know, how much you can buy right. with a dollar is how much the dollar is worth. And as you increase the amount of dollars, you increase the amount of products or you increase the amount of price. And so you're not getting more for your dollar. In some cases, you're getting less mm-hmm. for your dollar. The more you make, the less it's worth. It's think, yeah, that's very
1: true. I think that's the thing right there. That's macro econ 101. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I agree, I agree. I'm I am all about more money for housekeepers, more money for cleaners, more money for you know, but but then at the same time, I'm also appreciative that if you raise the price of a Big Mac <laughs> to ten dollars, I will not buy Big Macs. And then all of a sudden you won't be, that's why there's a, I was just talking to a guy who works at a call center, a call center. And his call center answers the drive-through intercom. Consider that. So he has a call center where they have a bunch of fast food restaurants in his town and you go to the drive-thru, you go up to the intercom and you order a Big Mac and a fry, whatever you order. Or you're at Wendy's or you're at Burger King or you're at Chick-fil-A. All of those calls are going into a call center. The person's not actually in Chick-fil-A.
1: Hmm.
0: Not actually in McDonald's. In fact, it's the same call center answering for all of those places. And why? It's not because those companies are trying to, you know, uh, make more profit. It's because they can't get staff. So they can't get people to come to work.
1: We actually talked about this this morning. Not exactly what you said, but we were talking about um, it was on the news down here this morning in North Carolina about the uh, fast food places, Chick fil A being the main one. It's a southern thing, but they've decided to, to stay drive through only. And there are other fast food places that have decided to stay drive through only, partially because of the staffing. But people that buy things from them were then saying, you know, it's not like you went in there to sit down and have a a fancy meal, but you went in there to relax and now you're sitting in your car for 10 or 15 minutes ordering, waiting to get up to the pickup to pick it up, to get a $10 take home meal, basically. Um, It's a completely different experience, you know?
0: I think, how did we got to fast food? I don't know. But yeah, I think the the first, the first real fast food company that tried to create an environment for people to not only come and grab food and leave, but come for grab food and stay was McDonald's. And they bought, you know, they built the gyms for kids and then Burger King was quick. And then, you know, there's a lot of companies that started to do that kind of thing. But other than that, other than like the gym for kids, I mean, has McDonald's ever been a really comfortable place to eat? I mean, I know that they've upgraded recently where they have like internet and they have right. soft chairs and stuff, but I grew up in the McDonald's that I grew up in. The chair wasn't, you couldn't even pull the chair out. It was stationary. It oh, I served. remember those. Yeah. The
1: little four pods. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> it wasn't like you, you know, it wasn't like the Chinese restaurant. We used to go to a Chinese restaurant and they had the the fish tanks and the Chinese Asian music and the low lighting. You know what I mean? It was all buffet and. Like that was an experience. KFC was plastic hard benches. You
1: know, like no, I remember that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think it's a smart move. Not only do I think it's a smart move, stop in-person dining in these fast food restaurants. And and again, just because of this a couple of reasons. One, people are totally comfortable with just sitting in their car. We we our cars are cars now are made to live in. I own a Jeep Cherokee. I can plug my Jeep, my my laptop, in, like a wall socket plug, into my car. I have internet that is produced from my Jeep. My Jeep has its own internet source. I mean, I could it's a Jeep. I can sleep in this thing. I mean, it's literally a mobile house at this point. Or am I gonna you know what I mean? Am I gonna have all the luxuries of my own car? Air conditioning, radio choices, television, computer, internet. Or am I gonna go inside the Burger King. No, you're right.
1: That right. makes sense. That makes sense, yeah.
0: And so, and, and then you add on top of it where you have the the lack of staff and people not going in. I mean, this is going to sound stupid, but why not have one building and you can get Jack in the Box, In-N-Out Burger, McDonald's, Burger King. Why not just get in? Why not just go to the drive through and go, oh, I'll have a Subway sandwich. If it doesn't matter, I mean, imagine being the company reducing your footprint. Now all of a sudden... <laughs>
1: I never thought about it. Yeah, I I can see that, definitely. Um, So many, you know, I think the restaurant business is the one that's changed the most during COVID, obviously. Um, The rest of us have had our differences, but, um, you know, for most of us, it was just cleaning more. It wasn't it wasn't that we were doing some new state of the art thing. Um, We maybe used a different chemical, but we were just cleaning more. We were wearing masks, which we didn't do before. In some cases, we were wearing goggles. Which on that topic, I will say, today at my facility is the first time since March twelfth, two thousand and twenty, we've been able to come to work without a mask.
0: Nice. See, that's the kind of news uh, I wanted to hear.
1: We were today
0: um, today here in New York City, or in in New York State. We are off uh, the emergency. All the emergency, whatever, is shut down in New York as of today.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. State of emergency. No longer in a state of emergency. We were the first facility in Charlotte to shut down. We shut down actually a week before the governor made everybody. And um, it wasn't a pleasant time for our family members and staff because they thought this was crazy. And then two weeks later, they were thanking us for doing it when we did it. But um, it's been a long process. I'm glad we're getting back to where we are. But uh, it's not over. Obviously, Yeah, I.
0: I. I. This has been a humongous shot in our industry for a couple of reasons in the cleaning industry. Number one, it put a spotlight on us, and it uncovered a lot of warts, a lot of things that we could have been, should have been, a little better at understanding. I mean, a lot of even today, you know, I'm I'm still hosting webinars where people do not understand what contact time is, they don't even know how to get to it. You know, they just don't have that fundamental understanding of even how evaporation rates work and how contact time works. Not that you need to be a scientist to be a housekeeper. It's not my point. My point is, is that it kind of highlighted that, A, housekeeping is super important. And B, there's a lot more knowledge needed out there in our industry. It's not, you know, a lot of people look at the housekeeping and they're like, you know, the bathroom's over there and the mop's in the corner on that side and go to work. It's not that at all. I mean, we... It is a professional industry with professional standards. We save lives. We can absolutely save lives. We can stop the spread of infection. We can slow the spread of infections, slow the spread of disease with good, really good cleaning methodologies throughout nursing homes, hospitals, hotels, you name the industry. And I think that's one of the biggest benefits.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, I think it's also enlightened other people that aren't in our industry about some of the things that we do. And now it makes more sense to them. Example I'm thinking of is um, primarily during COVID, especially in our nursing unit, you know, all the the chair rails and all those those things that people touch all the time. You know, contact time that you taught, uh, thought um, we would always wipe them down and then try to let them air dry because that's the most contact time. And you'd always get you'd get a call from somebody that's like, well, they just cleaned this and they left it wet. Well, I left it wet for a reason because the longer (laughs) that it's wet, the the more effect it has, you know? Um, but anyway, it's, yeah, so it's, it's been good. I think, um, now if we can just, you know, get back to staffing the way it was, I think, um, I think we as an industry did actually show how good we could be through all this. Um. You know, the facilities that did get hit hard throughout the country, it had nothing to do that I know of with cleaning. And you started having a lot more people paying attention to cleaning. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we're always the first to get blamed when there's an outbreak.
0: That is true. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember quite a few times having conversations with medical directors over C. diff. Well, the patient who left there had C diff, and then you guys cleaned it, and then the new patient went in. They did not have C diff, and I come back two day, two weeks later, and they have C diff. So housekeeping must be the number one culprit. And I'm like, sir, how does C diff go? You know, what C diff is just a little critter that lives in the colon, and the problem it has in long term care is because it sometimes finds its way from the colon to the mouth. And so, with all peace and love, I just yeah. asked, how is housekeeping
1: responsible? Right. You know, <laughs> or every once in a while, you'll especially on your C. diff topic. Um, this drives me insane is uh, you'll get somebody that says, Well, I think you need to use bleach, I don't know if your cleaning product is good enough. And if it's a nursing in person, I will send them my MSDS or whatever. And I'm like, You do not want to use bleach at under basically any circumstances. It says on here that this is for this, and, and that's what we're going to use, you know? Yeah, so, anyway. yeah.
0: It, it's funny I had, a, I had a D.O.N A director of nursing Tell one of my housekeeping managers Like we legit had to have a, a I had to I had to like Report on Why what she was saying wasn't accurate And that is She said in order to clean floors It has to be super hot water
1: Just in I'm general?
0: Like, in general When you mop a floor You have to use really hot water to mop a
1: floor And I'm like that's, that's not accurate I remember when I was, Aramark had phenomenal training, um, especially if, at the management level. And I think when I first learned or were, were trained with them, you know, that was back in the day when it used to be said that um, the best way to clean carpet was hot water and the best way to uh, scrub a floor was hot water. And I'm not saying the carpet thing doesn't make a difference, but on the floors, I would, I, it used to be, you could put 160 degree water on a floor and it was down to room temperature or whatever it was in something like 30 seconds. There's, there's no way that 30 seconds makes that big of a difference. No. And now I know all the trainings now pretty much just tell you to use cold water anyway.
0: It, cold okay. water is really important just because of wax. Yeah. So wax is the number one problem with floor care is not disease. Listen, if you find a patient on the floor, uh, you should be worried about why they got to the floor. <laughs> and what happened when they got there, rather than, uh, was the floor clean? It's not the best, (laughs) it's not the best question to be asking. But, so it's the wax, it's breaking down the wax. But this is, just in the fundamental of it, I said, I know we're going to get out of here. But I said, you know, so she's, she's like, well, I think that it just makes sense. And the infection control nightmare, the, the floors are the largest horizontal space. And I'm like, listen, let's, let's go with your assessment. How hot should the water be? And should we get mop buckets that have heating elements in and We'll just plug them into the like, how what? Where do you where? Do, how insane do you get if the answer is I have to put hot water in it? All right, well, the housekeeping closet where we get the hot water, which by the way, there's only one in the facility that has hot water that even works. And depending on the type of day, you'll be lucky if you get 100 degree water, but okay, whatever. Because <laughs> the dishwasher's running, the washers, dryers are running, you know. So we have to go downstairs to get the water. By the time we get to the third floor, should we have the ability to plug the the mop bucket in, let it get to temp? I mean, what are we talking about?
1: Yeah. I've been fortunate that I've had some pretty good DONs that I've worked with, but uh, there are a lot of people out there that just uh, don't understand. Um,
0: I I, I think she's a good DON. She she just makes a terrible housekeeper. That's...
1: (laughs) you know, kind of what, you know, bringing up the other chain of command, I think that's another thing in our line of work. I've been at some facilities where they've put me on every committee they had. And I often wondered, why am I on this committee? And I've been at other places where they put me on absolutely no committees. And I was begging to be on committees. Because, uh, you know, some people just they, they leave you out. Because as you say, like, here at my facility, my office happens to be in the basement. And they're like, you know, and that's where you are is the basement, you know, but, um, anyway. So super great.
0: I could keep talking to you forever. I have so many questions. I'm going to have to have you back on the show. Cause I, I, I'm so curious and, and I, we don't have time. I mean, unless you can try to answer it in within 60 seconds, but what, what is your plan if you can't get staff? Cause I'm, I'm guessing that you're going to be in the same boat as I am. I don't see that there's going to be a mad dash this summer. Right. As it gets nicer out and the beaches are all open and there's no restrictions and they still are getting paid, what are you going to do? Do you have a plan?
1: So uh, we talked about this yesterday, and our our initial plan, at least for the next couple months, is um, our independent living residents here get cleaned every week, and we are going to mandatorily go back to cleaning them every other week. Yeah, so there you to, go to yeah. ease up to ease up a little, um, and and hopefully and then just basically hope that in the next couple months you can fill those positions. But, uh, but that's what we've decided to do here is uh, go every other week. So
0: I, yeah, that's smart. I, I think that, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to lean on nursing to say, you know, what can, what can we do? I mean, if you, if you, if you only have i mean i was just talking to a a, a friend who manages a hospital and she she has 22 openings in housekeeping 22 she's short 22 people wow it's a large hospital system but that's a lot of people to be a short. yeah at some point you got to go all right can somebody else help you're already going into the room can you just take the garbage with you or that kind of thing you know at the same time i was just talking to a nursing home operator and they are using the housekeeping to do nursing work because they have the opposite problem where they have or they have a pretty steady housekeeping staff they've had for a while but they can't get any nurses no no nursing assistants no CNAs and so they're asking housekeepers to do nursing work and you know the housekeepers are complaining to me and I'm right. sitting here I'm going to kind of get it
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: the same thing in reverse you know
1: no I understand that too yeah I think I think here we've got multiple departments obviously that are and the thing is, you know, you're offering jobs to people and they're accepting them and then you never hear from them again. And, and I guess the thing that we as managers don't understand is if you were not interested in the first place, then why go to all that effort to come to an interview or two interviews and say yes and then never answer the phone or show up?
0: Yeah, you know, we used to have that problem. Gosh, in like nine or the early nineties, because you had to you had to prove that you were looking for work in order to get unemployment benefits. And I don't know if that's you know if that's coming back. Maybe that's it to where people are simply going in to apply to get proof of applying so that they right. can continue benefits. I, I'm not sure, but that used to be a real thing. You really did have to. Yeah. And I just heard, I just saw this great this great little video with this guy who is walking with his son and i'll close with this he was walking with his son and they saw a homeless person and the son says hey dad can i have some money you know we should give that guy some money and so the father says let's go into this store over here so they go into the store and the dad asked the guy behind the counter said is there work here that you can give my son so he can make ten dollars you know is there anything that you can do that he can do here for you to make ten dollars and the guy's like of course You want to sweep the floor. I can mop the floor. We got trash to pull out. There's a back room I would like to have emptied. I'll give you 10, 20 bucks to do that. And so the dad looks at the son and says, all right, well, do you want to do that? And then you can just go give it to that homeless guy. And the son goes, well, how come the homeless guy just doesn't come in and do it? And he goes, there you go.
1: There you go. (laughs) That's a good analogy. Yeah, that's very good. There you go. Too many
0: people are going, hey, how come you're not helping that person? At some point you got to go, how come that person's not helping themselves? You know? Right. All right. I I don't know. I think, I think those of us who are working, those of us who are still in the game, I think that we're, we're doing ourselves a huge service that we're going to benefit from immensely more than those who have taken the whole summer off. I think that at the end of the day is going to be the big thing. You're, you're growing more, you're getting more contacts. You're, you know, you're establishing yourself more, you're getting more skills. So
1: I agree with that, especially from the blue collar standpoint. I think people in the in blue collar fields who have decided to work during this time are possibly in line for more promotions and learn more than the people who've been sitting it out.
0: A million percent, yeah. a million percent. Brad, once again, thank you so much. I know that you had to alter your vacation to have to come on the show with me. Are you still going on vacation?
1: I am. It's my grandson's third birthday Saturday, so I'm uh, making nice. a trip to Florida.
0: Florida, long trip yeah. to Florida. What's that take? Yeah. Like six hours, seven hours?
1: Well, strangely enough, it's a uh, nine-hour drive, but it's Pensacola, and they're on Central Time, so I get an hour back going. So it seems oh, like. It's eight, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy the road trip, my friend, and um, thank you so much for being on. I really, really appreciate it. Don't thank you everyone for listening and paying attention here to the House Kids Podcast. I so appreciate everyone. I can't believe how much how many email responses and text messages and, and direct messages from LinkedIn and Facebook that people have been sending us over about the Housekeepers podcast. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really, really appreciate all the feedback that we've been getting. It's been resonating with people in the cleaning industry, and that's so fantastic. That is exactly what we want to be doing, highlighting those who work in the cleaning industry, those of us in the management position in the cleaning industry. So if you are in a management position or you want to be a manager, you want to be better at being a manager, please consider joining us at the Leadership, the Housekeeping Leadership Academy. Go to the HousekeepingLeadershipAcademy.com. It is a weekly conference call, group coaching call that we do every week with housekeeping managers from every industry all over the world. It's a super fun, super interesting, super learning, giving community that um, trust me when I say you're going to be one a part of it if you're in a housekeeping management or you want to be in housekeeping management. It is the place for you. Otherwise, for me and Brad, let me try it again. Ash and Brenner. Pretty good. Not bad, not bad. Oh, not bad, not bad. <laughs> That's it. I'll see you guys later. Enjoy your weekend.